All right. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our parenting live stream called The Good, The Bad, and The Stinky. Hopefully, you've changed all the stinky diapers and they're in bed and you're ready to go. And uh, this is awesome. Hey, I'm really looking forward to tonight. I think it's going to be great. We have some great parents with us. And I'm just glad you're here. Uh, let me tell you about a couple things. If you would like to submit a question tonight, we want to try to do some live Q&A. So if you'd like to submit a question, please, anytime while we're talking tonight, submit a question in the comment section. And Pastor Cooper will be right there to look at those and try to shout those, shout those out to us. And we'll try to answer some some questions that you might have. So you might even be thinking of before you came on the live stream. And here's something going on in my life right now as a parent. I want to ask this question. How do I do blank, right? And um, so uh, we're just excited uh, about this because we know, um, I remember how hard it was to be a parent and they remember how much of a struggle, there were, there were struggle, tough days to be a parent. And you're probably out there thinking the same thing and wondering how do we parent in this generation. And that's what we've been talking about in this series, that God's going to be faithful to every generation. He's going to be faithful to you as a parent. He's going to be faithful in the church. And we're excited about that. And no matter, no matter where you're at, you might be in a stage where you've got two or three kids at home. Maybe you're a foster parent and you've got foster kids or you've got adopted kids or maybe you've got some, uh, maybe you're a single parent out there. Maybe you're even way on the other spectrum and you're a grandparent and you thought you were done. And now you've got some kids back in your home and you're trying to figure out things because it's a different age and a different time. Wherever you're at, we hope that tonight will be an encouragement to you and something that you can, you can take something from tonight and say, boy, I needed that encouragement tonight. And um, I'm going to put some of those things into practice because it's our heart to live for Jesus daily as parents and in all areas of our lives. So uh, why don't I pray real quick, and then I want to introduce our panel, and we'll have a great evening. Jesus, we thank you for tonight, and we thank you that uh, you, this is your idea. Parenting is your idea. Family is your idea. Mothers and fathers becoming parents and raising kids to love Jesus this is your idea. And Jesus, that's our heart. That's our passion to see our kids believe in you, serve you, and love you all the days of their life. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us with that and that tonight would be an encouragement towards that. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let me introduce the people that are with me tonight. I'm excited about this. This is Mike and Lou Jensen. And you're probably wondering, like, Cooper Jensen? Yes. And the coolest part is every question that we ask them, they will tell us a juicy story about Pastor Cooper. That will be awesome. We're excited about that. So Mike and Lou Jensen, and then Dean and Debbie Bits. And we're excited to have Dean and Debbie Bits too. And they are both seasoned parents. And um, we're just excited that they're here. And they're going to answer some of our questions. Now, here's what you need to know about them. They're not perfect. <laughs> they had good days and they had bad days and there were tough times and there were good times and there were probably good vacations and horrible vacations and 
and so they, you guys weren't perfect, just like Kate and I weren't perfect parents. And I don't know if there is a perfect parent on the planet because there's no perfect kids. <laughs> and so, um, and we all remember being kids and tough on our parents. And then you were parents and you had your experiences. And so I'm just excited to jump into some things tonight. And um, so I'm, I'm going to ask us to just jump in with some of our questions. And so, Mike, I'm going to start with you. You've got the mic in your hand. And uh, the mic, Mike. The mic Mike's Mike. got the mic. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to jump right in and say, what, what did you really like about being a parent? The best thing uh, was just watching both our boys grow up um, from being newborns to toddlers to, you know, first grade. You know, we've had all the pictures of their first day of school and we just enjoyed watching them grow up and all the different changes that occurred. Yeah. Obviously, there's ups and downs with everything, but as you look back and reflect in your life, that brought us a lot of joy, just watching them become teenagers and young men and graduating from school and getting married and then having babies on their own as yeah. well. Yeah. And so that was really fulfilling. You know, I probably, every parent will say this, you know, you regret not spending enough time with your kids when they were younger. Um, and I would encourage all the parents out there with young kids, just take in every moment that you have with them. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yep. You know, I think, actually, I need to back up a little bit. First of all, ha hand it to Lou for a second for me. And Debbie, you grab one, too, there. Uh, Lou, can you, can you tell us a little bit about your family, uh, what your kids are like, what ages they are, stuff like that. And okay. then, Debbie, I'll let you talk about your family for a second. So I have two boys. Yep. Cooper um, is 34. Mm -hmm. And Luke is 37. Mm -hmm. And um, when they were little, they were best of friends. Yeah. Um, I don't know how that happened. They just are super close to this day. Yeah. They live about a half a mile away from one another here in Cheney. Yeah. And they were like an old married couple. <laughs> uh, they fought. They yeah. fought. but um, Just like an old married couple. Just like an yeah. old married couple. <laughs> Yeah, just, um, you know, just two regular rambunctious boys. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yep. Good. And Debbie? We also have two boys, Matthew and Peter. Uh, Matthew was born three months early, so we had all of the complications with that, him being three pounds, two ounces. And wow. Peter was um, 19 and a half months later, and we had a lot of bed rest and such with that. Um they could not six, six months bed rest. Whoa. Six months we bed rest. Bring, I had to bring somebody in to take care of Debbie because she could only oh. get up to go to the bathroom. Yes. Oh. So wow. So you'd never know it from the strapping boys that they are right yeah, now. That's that right. Uh, <laughs> Matt, you know Matthew being three pounds and Peter uh, tried to be born at three months. At three Whoa. months. So, so uh, amazing, godly men, and uh, Matthew is going to be 27 in August, and Peter just turned 25, married now, and so um, they couldn't have been more different than night and day as far as how God hardwired them, mm -hmm. and so I think recognizing how God gifted them and the very characters and personalities yeah. that he gave them. I wish we would have known more about that kind of, you know, just affirming those uh, characteristics and qualities in them right? while correcting the behavior. Yeah. But we just loved both of them yeah. thoroughly. Yeah. I mean, delighted. What, what, what would you say was the best part about parenting for you? It, just getting to know the, these 
these human beings that were made in the image of God. Yeah. I mean, because we did not come from a very good background, either one of us. And so we were excited about pouring love yeah. and encouragement and being present for these two young men and just seeing how God developed them yeah. and what their lives turned out. And similar to what you were saying, it's just yeah. we just delighted in them. Mm, that's good. And seeing who God made them. Yeah, that's good to, to hear about the good parts, but we all know their struggles too, mm -hmm. huh? So mm -hmm. Lou, tell us a little bit about maybe what, what was the hardest part? Of the parenting. hardest part? Yeah. Um, I think the hardest part, if I can be honest, for all the, the parents out there, was when they were little. Um, the baby bottles, the play pins, the diapering, going to functions, um, wondering, you know, how, how are we going to do in that restaurant? How, you know, just juggling those babies was the hardest part. And I tell my kids now, it's going to get easier. Um, having toddlers, having babies is a lot of stress on parents. I see it. Um, I, I applaud them because I think these young parents that I see um, all over the place in this church are just fabulous. Yeah. And they're doing the best they can. And I remember it. It brings back a lot of memories. But I think that's the hardest part. And then another one is when they leave home. Yeah. Um, I did not see that coming. I, I used to tell Mike, okay, this is going to get hard. This is going to get hard because we were a real close family. And um, when they went off to college, it the empty nesting thing was really, really difficult. So, you know, that those... Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. Yeah. Wow. Dean, what do you think? The what music was, got what was the hard part? I think the probably the hardest part for me was was disciplining them. Um, so when they when they disobeyed or were being lazy or weren't honoring Debbie, um, you know, being being consistent. Um, yeah. With that was probably the I think the toughest thing. Yeah, that's good. We we've got some questions about discipline that we're going to get to, which I'm super excited about. Let me get to my second question. How about this one? What specific things? did you do to build a strong relationship with your kids when they were little? Okay. So think about when they were little, what specific things did you do to build a strong relationship with your kids when they were little? And then we'll follow that up with, and how did you continue that relationship into the teen and young adult years? So Mike, you want to start sure. off with that one? What specific things did you do? <clears throat> well, the thing I remember the most is, um, you know, my grandpa taught me how to fish and go out hunting with him and stuff. And so when my boys were little, I mean, they were like two and a half, three and a half years old. They had a fishing pole in their hand. And we used to take trips out on West Medical Lake and Silver Lake and go on a little boat. And we just, you know, spent a lot of time fishing together. And that was frustrating for me because I'm kind of a perfectionist. And so they'd throw their poles in and get a big old nest eggs in the reels. <laughs> and I would just, you know, try to get through it. And, you know, they wanted to play with the fish or throw them back or whatever. <laughs> but we just had that um, camaraderie as when they were young boys and myself. And we went fishing all the way through their teen years and, and college years and now as adults. They love to go fishing. They love to go duck hunting. And that really put the, the bind in it for us. Yeah. 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 That's good. A lot of fun. How about you, Dean? When your kids were little, what do you think began to make that relationship really solid? 
I think um, for us, what I wrote here is we really did everything together. Um, we're a really tight family even now. Uh, you know, with the boys being 25 and 27, we still talk to them every day. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we, we played together and worked together. Um, we read the Bible and prayed together. We studied with them and vacationed with them. Um, had dates with them. Had double dates with them. When they were one older? Of, no. Um, so one of the things oh, that we used younger. to do, okay. one of the things we used to do for Valentine's Day, and I think we started this maybe in middle school, um, is we would, we would say, you guys find a girl that, that you want to ask out, and we're all going to go out and have dinner on Valentine's Day. And so we, all, all six of us, I, I guess, yeah, would, would go out and have dinner on Valentine's Day. So that was, you yeah. know, just to teach them, teach them how, do you, how you treat a woman and they'd open the doors and yeah. do all that kind of stuff. Oh, so funny. that was fun. That was one of the cool memories that we have. Um, yeah. You know, talking about girls, we still do that. Yeah. Um, and even now, we just hope, continue to hope and pray for them. Good yeah. things. That's mm-hmm. good. Hey, Lou, how about, how about when they got into their teen years and those young adult years? How did you continue to build that strong relationship? Well, we talked about this last night, Mike and I did. And we have a pair of wingbacks chairs uh-huh. that have been on in our family um, since Cooper was a kindergartner. Wow. And we still have them. And they're in our living room. And those chairs could tell stories. Yeah. Because since those kids were little, just like... Dean and Debbie said, we have done everything together. So talking, when they were little tiny people, they'd sit on the wingbacks. All the way through high school, lots of tears, lots of praying, lots of crying, lots of laughing, but a whole lot of discussion. Yeah. Um, A lot of discussion. And we still have them, and the, the boys will come over, and they'll sit in them, and their wives will sit in them. We have little grandchildren that sit in those wingbacks. Um, those wingbacks have been a very big foundational part of our conversations. Yeah. Um, now, a lot of people might find that odd to sit and talk like that with little kids, but we would just laugh and goof around. We would listen to music, and then also we would talk about serious things as they grew. But they knew yeah. when they hit those wingbacks yeah. that there was going to be a discussion about what was going on in their lives, yeah, good or bad, right. and then also prayer. Right. That's good. You know, one of the things that is so important when we begin to talk about parenting is how you parent as a team together. Um, I remember when our kids were, it starts when they're pretty young, right? How they try to pin you against each other. Well, mom said I could, you know, or dad said I could. It's so, you know, their little, our little hearts and minds just want to do whatever we want and we try to figure out anyway. So one of the things that Kate and I had to work real hard at, and I'm sure you guys did too, is how'd you, how'd you work as a team, as parents? And there were probably good days for that and bad days for that too. So talk a little bit about that. Debbie, why don't you launch us into that and talk, to, talk about how, how did you do that and what were maybe some of the things you and Dean did? I felt like uh, Dean and I were pretty much on the same page. Uh, we took parenting very seriously. Uh, 
I took a lot of parenting classes and things, and we would uh, discuss those. And of course, that was kind of an overwhelming part was there are so many resources and you have so little time and you're so exhausted. Yeah. And so um, looking back on that, I, I know that we gleaned things from each program and wise counsel from others, but we pretty much just had to make sure we were a strong front, that our relationship was uh, modeling for them the strength and integrity and honesty and openness. And then they knew that they could trust, okay, they're going to be together on this. Right. But yeah, they did try to do the pitting against and, or, you know, but for the most part, we would come back together and then they would get uh, confronted with it. Right. Hmm, let's be held accountable to this. You said this and mom and dad are on the same page. Right. And so I think it's because we talked about consistency and it is hardest but we wanted to be sure that we were communicating clearly, setting the boundaries, and then the follow-through is the hard thing. And even apologizing if you didn't follow through because um, we wanted to be consistent. And right. due to our own trauma and stuff from the past, you know, we messed up. Mm -hmm. But we had opportunity to then apologize and model that. Right. That, that was the heart. And we would, we would always talk about, so before we applied discipline to the kids, we would always talk about it first. Yeah. And that's where we discovered they're playing us. So <laughs> we'd work through that and then then come back yeah. and parent them. That's good. That's good. How about you, Lou? What, what do you think you guys, you and Mike, did well as parents? And what did you struggle with? Uh, I think I was sharing earlier today with you, Mark, yeah. that we – we didn't parent well. We didn't have the same ideas. So Mike came from a very strict family background and very rule oriented and um, list maker organiza organization. I on was opposite. So my family was very freewheeling, very laid back, very affectionate, whatever. So he would have a tendency to parent one way and I would have a tendency to parent a different way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was always telling him, it's okay, it's okay, but it wasn't okay. <laughs> and Mike would be really, really frustrated with me um, because I was letting way too much um, lax. I was way too lax. But you then got big boys. I got big boys, but then I, I will say I disciplined, though, you know, yeah. I mean, like I really was, I wasn't a pushover as a mom. Yeah. So I was in their face and those boys listened to me and they were scared of me <laughs> because Mike was out of town a lot. And so I had to take, I couldn't say when your dad comes home, right. I had to yeah. deal with it then. And they were strong, you know, willed boys. So, but we had opposites. We worked it out, but it was a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, okay, here's another one as we get into this this talk about um, just working as a team and figuring stuff out. One of the things that is always really helpful is if you have kind of like a group of parents that you're doing life with. Like everything, we, we learned from the Bible and from being in church for a while now that real life and real Christian life and re where we really learn how to live for Jesus is really in those small group communities. 
where you have great friends that you're doing life together. Mike, talk to us about that. Did you have some people like that in your life that just helped you do stuff, helped you parent? And We actually did not. Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah, we actually didn't. Uh, the boys were raised in a very Pentecostal church, and their biggest ministry was reaching out to drug rehabs. So yeah. we had a lot of parents in our church, single moms, single dads, broken up marriages and things like that. So there wasn't really a, a nucleus of other parents that were kind of on the same page to help us through that. Uh, what they did see us do is we always kept them in church. So Sundays was church day. Wednesday services were there. They also saw us uh, put together like women's uh, retreats or women's prayer meetings. I had a men's group meeting, I think once a month, we do a Saturday breakfast together and things. So they saw us always being involved. Right. And then we served a lot at the church, you know, no matter how hard it was. And we pulled them right along with us to paint the church, clean up the church, whatever. And so, yeah, we didn't really have that nucleus of family right. around us, but right. we just uh, put our strength in God and put our strength in the church itself right. and had them watch us go each and every step of the way. Good. Yeah. Good. Dean and Debbie, how about you guys? We did. Uh, we had a small group at that time, uh, like four couples, and they had children all about the same age. And gosh, going through prematurity with Matthew, I mean, we, we saw each of us had an opportunity to serve one another at different points in our lives, and it was invaluable. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't all have the same situations going on, you know, different schooling, different situations, circumstances, but we had that network, that resource. We knew that people were praying for mm-hmm. our family. Um, and the boys knew there were at least three other couples that said the same things that we did, similar to what you <laughs> yeah. said on Sunday. Yeah. So true. Right. I mean, I've even got a friend from Calvary now. Matthew will tell me, um, he'll go over it. Cindy and you say exactly the same thing. And I said, yep, that's because our faith is in God and we trust what God's word says and yeah. we trust his promises. Yeah, so cool. yes, that consistency. And of course there was other friends that they heard different things from, but we just had to keep reinforcing what we knew to be true in God's word and right. his faithfulness. We just kept pointing back to that. Right, that's good. Mm-hmm. Dean, I've got a, a question for you that Mike just answered a minute ago. Um, and that was like, how did you guys disciple your kids to want to follow Jesus on their own? And Mike said, and we're just in the church all the time, right? They were, they were watching us serve Jesus and follow Jesus. And so, you know, they just kind of caught that too. But were there any specifics that you remember just like, hey, here's, here's things we did with our kids intentionally to point them to Jesus? Yeah, I think we, hit, we would have, um, you know, regular, regular weekly reading times and and um sometimes every day well i did with the yeah debbie time, did um and so a lot of that was was both taught and caught like debbie said we took them to awana um and that was good for them for two or three years i think um but i think even as young adults now too um, they see us reading every day, and um, I know they've they've commented on that because they don't they don't see um, see that in a lot of people, um, and so they still still um, 
encourage them in the word every day when we when we get together sometimes they don't necessarily like that because we bring Christ into everything <laughs> uh, maybe when they don't feel like it uh, but even now we do that so uh, yeah Christ's always been a part of our family um, and serving down at the mission being a part working at the mission really the entire life of the boys yeah um, and, and yeah. In, including them in that um, mm -hmm. in different serving opportunities um, so they you know they got to be a part of that right. so yeah 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 I have I have a question good I'm behind the curtain behind the like curtain Wizard of Oz Pastor Cooper's got a question in the comment section all right throw it in so it deals with this and uh, they said best tips on discipling kids without Bible thumping how do you point your kids to Jesus and yeah. not lead them astray yeah Lou you want to jump on that one yeah um Bible thumping is, it's true. You don't want to burn your kids out. Um, and there were times when we did, we were concerned about that. I think we really balanced it with a lot of fun. So right. our laughter in our house was big. Um, we goofed around a lot. And these boys are absolutely comics anyway. So we blended both the seriousness of the gospel and what was going on with people, but also not so serious that it was too heavy. So I think we would just point them to Jesus in different ways. And I see that the young people do that now. They're having fun with their kids, but they're also, you know, really concerned about their walk with Jesus at the same time. Um, I don't think you need to burn your kids out. I don't feel that they need to live up to some expectation that you might have, and you might get too worried about their walk with Jesus. Let it happen. Um, let it just relax with them, and just let it happen. And they're gonna they're gonna make bad decisions, and it's a guarantee. <laughs> but don't panic, and don't don't freak out, and and think that it's the end of the world. Yeah, that's something that just comes as you go along in their right. years. Yeah. And yeah. I I'd just say too that there's a difference between Bible thumping and encouraging. Yeah. yeah. And when you're when you're in the word you 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 know those encouragements that you can give. Right. And it's not necessarily let's whip the Bible out and let me show you where it's at. Yeah. It's right. it's um it's teaching them, yeah, like uh, Debbie said, just teaching them the heart of God in their in the behavior and their decisions and and how they treat people and just everything. Yeah. It's, it's not a heavy-handed thing. It's it's gentle yeah. and kind and and yeah, yeah, yeah. Debbie, how how often did you pray for your children, <laughs> and uh, and what kind of things did you pray for them? We continue to pray we have we started to pray before they were born um not only that they would have a heart for god and follow him and be used mightily but that they also for their wives their future wives um and to know that they belong to him 
before they were ever on loan to us, gave mm-hmm. us that freedom that Lou is talking about. Because, yes, it was too important for me to do parenting perfectly right mm-hmm. because it had been done so wrong, you know, in our past. But God's bigger than our biggest mistakes. And they're his kids, and he loves them. And if you're trying, as exhausted as you are, there's not a bunch of boxes to check. It's your heart for the Lord. And you're wanting to raise your kids in a godly manner. Guess who's your biggest fan? Right. And he's going to supply all that you need. And I figure that any, any wounds that we caused in our boys is going to draw them closer to God in the future. We do, you do your best with what you've been given, but if we've got resources available, take advantage of them as much as possible, but don't beat yourself up. Like you've said, you can only do so much with the time that you've been given and trust that God can make that multiply just like he did the loaves and the fishes, your heart and willingness to want to parent in a godly manner is gonna come through. And if they see your heart for God, it's spoken more volumes than doing it this way right right did i answer the question that was really good yeah that was great well let's talk let's talk about discipline a little bit because i know that that's always one of those challenging things with kids it's just you know how do we how do we get them to love jesus but how do we also just model the heart of god but how do we teach them you know what god's word says and how to obey it and when there's a little bit of or maybe a lot of larceny in us when we're little and we just got to kind of get it out, right? So one of the questions we had was, how did you balance encouragement and correction as a parent? Such a fine line there between, you know, trying to not break, not break them and just encourage them, but also say, but there's times where you do just have to correct them and show them right from wrong. How'd you guys balance that? Let me start. Well, I think uh, one of the ways that we balanced that was we always encouraged them to do the right thing, but we also allowed them to stumble and fall because that just helps them to mature. What Whatever age that they're at, um, they're going to stumble and fall, and we're always going to be there to pick them up. We're always going to be there to encourage them and pray for them. Um, and, you know, one of the things that Lou and I both agreed on was we did spank our boys. And there was a lot of times when I was out of town earlier in their life. And, you know, if they needed discipline, Lou was willing to spank them. And we never did it in a way that would embarrass them. Like if there were other people here um, or if we were at some holiday get together and they were really acting naughty and we gave them the warnings and it just kept on going, we would take them to a private room and spank them, you know, and that's how we handled it. And so, um, but we are always there to always lift him up and pray for him too. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. How about you guys? I think, um, um, I guess more of an encouragement. Um, we did the best we could. Um, but I'd say, you know, to be, to be kind and gentle in our love and discipline. I know there were, were times, I suppose my, my weakness um, I suppose you could count them on one hand, but I got I would get angry sometimes um, and get frustrated. And but but the boys remember those two times. So 
So, you know, it's the kind of the old 80-20 rules. Have, do everything, have lots of experiences with them. Um, so you have time to encourage them because they're always going to remember the 20% when you weren't the stellar parent. But hopefully there's enough experience where they, they aren't, you know, permanently wounded by that. And then also, you know, when we did make a mistake, you know, come back and apologize mm -hmm. and, you know, tell them what you're thinking and you're feeling and, and just kind of work through that with them. That's, a, that's an important thing. Yeah, that's good. Another thing that's really hard to balance is heart change mm -hmm. and behavior change. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy. I remember you probably do too. Like I want the behavior change when I'm in line at Walmart. Right. Yeah. I want the behavior change when we're hanging out with our friends. Right. And I want them to just do the right thing. But they're kids and and we're trying to get to their heart, not just change their behavior. Right. And um, because we know that when when the Lord has their heart, he has our behavior. Right. When when we've given our heart to Jesus and he's got our heart, then our behavior goes with it. And so we're looking for heart change, not just behavior change. So, Lou. Why don't you get us started on that? How, how do you feel like you guys did with that, and, and how did you work that out with the boys? Um, okay, so our relationship with both the boys, we were really good friends with them, um, always have been, still are. Um, you know, some people will say, you can't be friends with your kids. Well, we actually were, <laughs> and maybe we were odd in that way, but we had a really deep relationship with both these little boys all the way through their teenage years. We had a lot of times of just laughing and, and praying together and talking, and so the heart was there. Um, when the discipline came or the correction came, it was that foundation was already there. So the heart with us, we were heart to heart. And then when the correction came, it wasn't the end of the world. They understood right up front. Wow. Right. Right. You know, they didn't want to hurt us. They didn't want to hurt our, they actually did not want to hurt Mike and I. And they would say they were sorry pretty quickly because of the deep relationship we had with them. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. That's good. Debbie, what do you think? Just following up more of that. Yes. That relationship. And I think too, when we were going through some thoughts on this, identifying behavior that's age appropriate as to whether it's childishness or foolishness, if it's right. willful disobedience. And so discerning then the appropriate action, yes, might be to correct the behavior immediately in line at the grocery store, but then having that heart talk later about, let's see, where does that fall in line? You know, I think I use this line, maybe it just drove the boys crazy, but, um, that behavior was inconsistent with your Christ-like nature. So where do you think that would have been a better response? What would be a more loving, kind, respectful response? And also the golden rule, you know, treat others the way you would like to be treated. Mm -hmm. And so, um, reflecting that, and I guess the biggest thing we had experienced also is avoid shaming. The right. yeah. When you are correcting, focus on the behavior to be corrected, not 
because our shelters are filled with people who heard, you'll never amount to anything. You do it wrong always. And so those kinds of words resonate in that. And I figure, you know, they're in God's image. It's our responsibility to reflect God and guide this little human being or big teen as they're making these choices. Mm -hmm. And like you said, nothing is going to be earth shattering. You want to allow them the opportunity to fail and learn from those consequences, good, bad, whatever, right. in between. So identifying the foolishness and the childishness and using the gentle words and certainly no name calling. Right. I mean, I guess that was yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah. So, Debbie, you just you just talked about something that launches us into that next question. And that is, did you have any specific things that you did or steps of discipline that you did or that you used at home or in public? And you just talked about two things that, that I think are really important, and I'd like you to expand on it a little bit because maybe others haven't heard it. And that's childishness and foolishness. And can you give us some examples of that? What would be a childishness thing? What would be a foolishness thing? And how would you handle each? And then the other one was, yeah, when you're, when you're correcting, that it's not a you are a right. blank, right? Right. You're, you're labeling your child at that point. You're, you're changing their identity because you're saying you are this. You are naughty. You are bad. You are hurtful. You are, you're labeling them. Instead, talk about how you would use your words and your language. And you guys think about this too when I yeah. throw it over to you. Um, that you would, what thing, how would you say something? How would you actually word it out? I mean, we're trying to get authentic right. here. What right. grammar did you use? I mean, what words did you right. use so that you didn't label your child, but you corrected them gently? Right. Well, w- one of our boys had a tendency to be pretty high strung and energetic and would often spill things at the table. I would think that that is, and it uh, was identified and and uh, addressed in a, in a way that we did not feel comfortable by someone who would be sitting at the table. And so we would correct and say, oh, you know, sweetheart, looks like you spilled. We just, you know, need to contain, redirect some of that energy or whatever. It was never a shaming on that because that was more of, he was two or three. And so that was childish. That was mm-hmm. just being a kid. Just spilled milk. Yeah, exactly. Um, but if it was something of... Uh, Oh, let's say not doing your chores or uh, even stealing something, you know, somebody, somebody's money sitting out on the counter or um, that was more of a willful disobedience. That was something that they knew that was in our home, honesty um, and lying. And of course, lying had a higher penalty. So it was, um, you know, do you know anything about the money that disappeared on the table? You know, um, and sometimes we wouldn't get an answer. <laughs> from, <laughs> right away. Um, right? Yeah. Um, so you might want to just think about that. You know, see if you can lend, you know, shed any light on something. Um, and I think something that came to my mind when we were talking about this is that giving them hope that when they made a choice that was not godly, you'll do better next time. Mm-hmm. We all make mistakes. I made a mistake, you know, this is, you know, I, I yelled at you. That mm-hmm. was a mistake. That was not honoring to you. So we want to be honoring to God in our home. And so what choices do you think you could make that would be honoring to God next time? So yes, yes, there'll probably be a consequence for this, 
you know, whatever that was. Was it lying? Was it, you know, cheating? Was it, you know, using the computer when they shouldn't have or whatever? It's a matter of what can you see yourself doing differently next time? Yeah. Um, this behavior was not honoring to God or to our family. You represent Jesus and you represent the Bits family. And, you know, so, yeah. I mean, you just lay it on thick, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> without laying too much guilt or manipulation, but, but laying it out as to who they are and yeah. they have the potential to be with the, with the Holy Spirit helping them. Yeah. You know, what that's do you think good. Jesus feels about what you did or said to someone yeah, or your brother good. if you hit your brother? You know, right. yeah. stole that t- truck that right out of Did that a lot with brothers, Mike? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what yeah, did you guys some... do? Did you guys have steps of discipline that you worked through at home and in public? And... Well, I'm going to be a little off key here, but uh, by when the boys were like third grade and fifth grade, for about seven or eight years, we had a counseling thing called a hot tub. And <laughs> we, we still talk about it today, and we share it with other people because... When you get in a hot tub, as a family, all kinds of things open up. And we learned a lot about what was going on at school, what was going on with friends. And it would help Lou and I understand, okay, that probably isn't a good thing, so let's start working on that right now. And we had some cases where we had to tell Cooper or Luke, um, that friend that you have here probably is not a good one to have long term. And we don't want you to play with him or go over his house anymore or whatever. But uh, that hot tub... Man, it was, it opened up the world. I don't care what you say. <laughs> you Lou, what do you it. think there? Well, I forgot what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Did, you, did you have any specific steps of discipline, even like at home, in public? What, All right. What were some the of boys will tell you that when they would act out, I would make them hold hands. Oh gosh! And so they hated oh. that. So embarrassment. Embarrassment. The, they were chief. in the car in the <laughs> back, holding hands holding all the way hands. to the mall, and then they had to hold hands in the mall. And I'm like, you yeah. guys just have to get along. Yeah. So this is what you get to do. And yeah. they're like, are you serious? You know, I'm like, yeah. I think we stopped doing that when they were like third grade and stuff. But yeah, yeah discipline. Um, I think just saying seriously, that kind of. Are, yeah. are you serious right now? That's what you did? Um, that Those kind of conversations? And they're like, oh, no, you know. What were you thinking? That kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, just like. Getting them to process. Yeah. You know, and just they would tell you another thing. I keep thinking about what they would say because we still they still laugh and they give us a hard time. Um, Mom, you used to say, I don't know. That's up to you and God. You know, he's watching everything you do anyway. So, <laughs> And they said they would just like, ugh, they hated that. But I didn't know what else to do sometimes because I would be like, you know, that's between you and the Lord. And I, there's no secrets with him. So you work that out with him. <laughs> and I sincerely would just leave it like that. Yeah, oh, that wasn't pleasant funny. for them. Yeah, I thought of something it, I think we used to use a line once in a while of, would you like a do-over? Yeah, would, yeah, would, you, yeah. <laughs> would you like a do-over? Do you, you know, if, if you're not engaged in the emotions, and that's the thing, is yeah. to keep your emotions as a parent in check. Yes, yes. That is the oh, most challenging thing so hard. Yeah. to not react in anger or frustration yeah. because they see it on your face. It doesn't matter if you're saying, speak to mommy in a nice, calm voice. It's like they read your face and they're yeah. going, ooh. 
Mm, this is not, I've, yeah. I've really stirred the nest now. So would you like a do-over on yeah. that one? Yeah. And just be matter of fact. And if you cannot engage the emotions is huge. Yeah. But, yeah. but then the spankings, they did come in, whether it might be in the van. I mean, it wouldn't happen in the store, but it might be, would you like a trip out to the van? <laughs> and hope you didn't get called by somebody who was watching what was happening in the van. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You never wanted to see your mom or dad's hand come over the back of the seat. Yeah. That's, That's not right. a good sign. <laughs> not a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, let me ask a question that maybe I know, I'm not sure how much you got this when your kids were little, but maybe you did. But I was thinking about modern as we're getting into a, a lot more technology today. Um, and parents that are watching right now are dealing with this a lot. It's, it's probably one of the most challenging things in parenting right now, especially probably with middle school and high schoolers and teens, is you know, how do we deal with, with social media, TV, video games, their phones, you know, all of that. How do you think, how do you, think you would handle that amount of time that kids are using their electronic devices today. And what, what kind of message would you, would you say today that you think would be important for parents? I'll take that question. Yeah, you'll take it? I'll take it. Great. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of one of my hot spots for me. But basically, I mean, when we were raising our kids, there was no social media, Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. But today, what I see when you ask the question, what would you do to help your kids monitor, I say... No, how are you going to lead by example for your kids to see you? So when this three-year-old or two-year-old or five-year-old sees mom with her head down, thumbing through Facebook, and I like this and I don't like that or whatever, that sends a direct signal to them. If, if she's not doing that and she's engaged with the kids, eye-to-eye engagement with them and playing with them or taking in the moment – we live close to the university and we get a lot of moms and dads walking by our house and nine out of 10, I can tell you, swear to God, nine out of 10, there's one hand on the stroller and one hand on the cell phone and you can see their thumb flicking or they're talking to somebody. It's like, they don't even know there's a kid in the stroller and that's sad. And so for, for us, it's like in today's, the only advice I can give is get off social media. I mean, I, I run a big business myself, and I don't have Facebook. I don't have Instagram. I do Microsoft Teams, and I do Zillow, and I do email. I'm not missing a thing. And so when our grandkids come over, our grandkids don't ever see us on the phone. They don't see us Facebooking and social media or anything. We are engaging them with their eye contact. We're playing with them. We're asking them questions, and we have a great relationship with them. And that's... That's my point. But at the same time, we... <laughs> the difference here? Yeah, at the same time, it's a whole different culture. Yes. It's a whole yeah. different world. And the, the families rely so much on social media for information or for communication for a mom that is maybe feeling isolated, needing um, companionship, um, that sort of thing. So I think there's a balance in that. I think what Mike's trying to say is, um, you know, maybe step away from it more often. Um, yeah. Then maybe that would help your children in the future mm-hmm. see that you're not just tied like a noose to it. Um, 
you know, lead by example, I think is what you said, honey. And I, I think that's true. I think, I think what they see is what they will do. Yeah. 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 Debbie and I were talking about that too. And, and I don't know that we would do anything different than we did. Tele, TV, telephones did start coming out when our kids were young. Yeah. Uh, but we cell phones, telephones, telephones. Uh, you can, you, you know how often I use my cell phone. So. <laughs> I am not a, I'm not a social media fan, <laughs> but, um, we would, we would limit their, their time on games. Obviously we, we wouldn't restrict it. Um, but we would limit it to maybe an hour a day. Um, so not a lot. Also, they didn't have cell phones. I don't think until they were juniors in high school. And but when they wanted phones, they had to earn it and buy it themselves. So we gave them opportunities to earn money um, and uh, help them find odd jobs where they could go work and and earn money so they could buy their cell phones. Um, And I know as adults, you know, we get we we fall into traps of the cell phone and everything, too. But I just encourage you not to start so young with them. Right. Um, you know, there's opportunities to, to learn technology in school and other things, but to, to fall in that trap of being um, uh, stuck in that social media on your phone, I think, is is a harmful and dangerous thing yeah. um, because it's 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 an addiction that's uh, tough to pull out of, I think. Yeah. yeah. And I would also say that in the same way, being present um, is what is most important to say you are valuable. You are more valuable than the phone, than the likes and the dislikes. Right, um, yes. And I think we we would also, if they wanted an extra hour on some video game or something with friends coming over, they would earn it. You know, there was a balance between physical exercise and um, having time as a family. Cell phones were not, or phones were not allowed at the table. Um, we had community and conversation. So we set boundaries and tried to stick to that. And we, we would have cell phone cage, you know. I mean, th- we laughed about that at that time. But they knew that you needed to be present. <laughs> so, and it mattered to them. Yeah. Because cell phone then, jail, I like right, that. Right, yes, that's what it was, yes. <laughs> and so it mattered that we would put everything else aside. Yeah. Even for 15 minutes, that undivided attention yeah. said, you matter to me. Yeah. You matter to God. Yeah. And so that communicates in a nonverbal way. Yeah. I, I think you guys said something that I caught, and I think one of you said it, but is, is identity, mm-hmm. right? I think our phones today and social media and what all those companies are, are getting at, they want our kids to get identity exactly. from them. Yep. They want... They want to give our kids the, the values and the value system of the world. Like I talked about on Sunday, the, the hollow and deceptive philosophy of yeah. the world that depends on humanism instead of on Christ. Yeah. Um, that's what their desire is. And, and it really boils down to buying products and making money. And, but it, it is what they want. they want. They want us all. They want us as adults, too. They want us as adults hooked on that so that we're kind of stuck in it. So we have to learn the balance of how do we use it in godly good ways and good moments and good times, but also have a balance for it and teaching our kids that as well. Well, Coop, I want to jump to you. Do we have any questions in the comment section that you would say, hey, here's a pretty good one? 
Yeah, actually, just in time, the stream just stopped and restarted. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so we might have lost about a minute there. Okay. Well, right welcome, when, welcome uh, back, everybody. It's right uh, when my dad started talking about Google, it literally stopped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so okay. Well, maybe we need to hear that again. Mike, what would you say about Google? Real quick. Oh, yeah. I just We watched a, a documentary on Jeff Bezos and Amazon, and one of the uh, CFOs or CEOs of Google uh, was interviewed, and they said, you know, how do you handle your children, your kids, with social media? And he said, I refuse them to get on social media. They're not allowed. And so... I thought that was a big aha moment for me was here's the CEO of a large social media company. That's what he does, and he won't even let his kids on social media because wow. he knows what it will do to them, and he knows the Facebooks of the world and everybody, what they're tracking on all these kids at a young age. And he says, I'm not going to let my kids be a part of that. Yeah, so. that's interesting. Well, social media is a big one, and I yeah. hope you have some friends to help you walk through that and think through that and talk about how to honor Jesus and all that. So, Cooper, give us a question, one of the questions that came in live, and let's, uh, let's yeah. see if we can stump a parent here. <laughs> yeah, so, so one of the questions um, was about their kid is starting to come into the teen years, and it said they want to be edgy. They want to be an edgy teenager. And so this parent is a single parent, and they're just saying, hey, how do I navigate this? Where my kid is kind of wanting to be a little edgy when he becomes a teenager. Lou, you got go it? Lou, go Lou. Edgy. Cooper, what does edgy mean? <laughs> um, I think, you know, being a little reckless, maybe trying to be stand out in certain ways, maybe act out, just try to be like the tough guy, yeah. Um, the cool kid. Yeah. So, Coop, you see that a lot in youth group, and I'm sure your advice would be probably even more current. Um, I remember when you boys were going through that, it's really normal. It's absolutely what's going to happen with girls or boys. Um, I just, again, I wouldn't panic. I wouldn't come down on them really hard and tell them they can't be a certain thing because it's just going to make them want to do it even more. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm the type, though, you know, and, and maybe it's not the majority. I, I didn't overreact to those things and make it worse by overreacting. So just keep them in church if you can and keep praying with them hang out with them, talk with them, just keep that communication going, and don't panic. Yeah, good. Dean? I guess one thing um, that I would say is keep your, keep your loving boundaries with them, but make your home the place where yeah. their friends can come. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember, um, you know, our home was always a, a safe place for their friends to come. Um, you know, even as adults, we've had a couple of their friends stay with us for periods of time. Mm -hmm. But Debbie w always was friends with all of their friends and even, even prayed with a couple of them to receive Christ. Mm -hmm. I think it's important, um, <coughs> yeah, to make your, make your home a safe place uh, for their <coughs> friends. One thing, too, with that I can see is, is I don't think we, we let the boys be in their rooms with their doors closed and so that's one one thing that we we would do too um, 
when their friends were over, but um, just being a safe place, being a safe home, and and being friends with their friends, getting to know who they're hanging out with. Yep. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. Good. And I think too, with the desiring the attention and edginess, uh, uh, you know, being was it edgy? Yeah, was that the word? That, that gives me a different <laughs> mindset, but um, affirming value and identity and identifying and encouraging those gifts and quality characters, um, but not, again, shaming that right. desire to be, you know, a little bit avant-garde or, you know, hip or whatever it means, um, looking for that attention. I guess that's where I would look at the heart and say, you know, what is that true desire of wanting to have, be accepted? Um, do they have a good friend base? Um and if it's not harmful, then l- let it ride. You know, I mean, I remember when our boys had ponytails and I would cut their hairs and allow a little rat tail. That's what it yeah. was called. Yeah. You know, but it, you know, heck, it was no skin off my back. You know, it was fine. Yeah. But um, if it was Choose more risky. Battles. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So mm-hmm. if it's not too risky behavior that's going to get them into trouble, then... You know, don't sweat it, but pray (laughs) (laughs) that it doesn't lead to something else. Tattoos and earrings and those types of things, you know, if it's not sinful, um, you know, smoking cigarettes, not sinful. It's not something we'd prefer, Mm -hmm. but, um, and it's not something you'd encourage, but do you, um, you you know, you set loving boundaries around that. but I think they'll learn, you know, they'll learn. Right. Um, they will. Yep. That's good. Cooper, you got another one? Yeah, I got two more questions. Two more. Great. From people. Um, the first one is kind of centered around church and um, raising kids in church. Let's say you're going to a church that really has maybe nothing for your kids or it's just kind of hard, like a hard church environment. And mom and dad, you kind of spoke to this a little bit with our church background growing up in a drug rehab church a little bit. But would you consider like moving to a different church or something like that um, if you're maybe a young parent and it's just just hard raising your kids in a certain church environment? Yeah, we actually did that. So we raised our kids in a Pentecostal church, a lot of drug rehab people there and things as they matured. And Lou and I led um, uh, Sunday school for the uh, a big age group because it was a smaller church. But when they got to a point of it was time for youth group and they were getting in their teenage years, we couldn't offer that at that church. And so, you know, we talked with the pastors who are very good friends of ours, and we ended up leaving that church to go find a church that had a robust uh, youth group like our church. I mean, the hundred kids that come on Thursdays, I mean, there's a robust youth group activity here. And if you were at another church that you didn't have that, I would definitely encourage them to change a church. God is going to be in any church that you go to. So it's just a matter of, it's so important for those young kids to have that group and go to amp camp and be a part of this stuff. Uh, It's huge. Yeah. So that's much more important than, putting your stick in the sand saying, we got to stay at this church. We've been here 30 years, you right. know, it's yeah. not worth it. Yep. Yeah. And we did the very same thing because came here. that's right. 
Right. Yeah. And we knew that was the highest priority because we wanted them to have a network of common believing friends. And that was, that was the important thing. you want to make being a Christian or, you know, you want to make that fun. Yeah. It's kind of like you want your boat to be the fun one. Right. So they don't jump ship. So you want your church to be the fun one. You want your kids to be grown up with that and reinforced by other adults like Cooper. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's right. All right, Cooper, you got another one? Yeah, this other question is, um, how did you guys do Saturdays or weekends um, as a husband and wife? Um, This person said, as a mom of two young boys, it's hard to not feel selfish if you want to do something kind of for you. And it's not always mm-hmm. with your kids and you might feel like you're, you know, neglecting your kids or whatnot. But so how did you kind of balance um, like the time just for you and your spouse to have, but also the family time as well? Yeah. Hey, I'll take this one. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'll, I'll start this one off. How about that? I'll, I'll get one answer in here. Uh, Kate and I had something that we started when our kids were young and we called it the original Postuma family. And so we told our kids... Uh, and they knew this from a very young age. Well, actually, the first thing we did from a really young age was couch time. And I don't know if you guys heard of couch time, but that was the first, when I came in the door, Kate's home with the kids, the first thing I'd do, we'd go, we'd sit on the couch, and it was 10 to 15 minutes, just us, and we actually told the kids, hey, get lost. Go play in your rooms, go have fun outside, whatever. And what we modeled was mom and dad are number one. Because... You're going to be there in the beginning, and you're going to be there in the end. And it's and so we called it the original Postuma family. And so date nights were, hey, it's time for the original Postuma family. And our kids would kind of squawk a little bit, oh, but we want to be with you. But it, it, it modeled to them, hey, marriage is huge. You know, loving your spouse is huge. And so um, they knew those things. They were built in regularly, and they saw those things modeled. And, um, and I think it helped them desire that and want that now, but also to see the importance of, yeah, you got to take care of yourself too. And I think of this mom that asked the question, it's, it's imperative. I mean, if, if we get so, uh, hurt and struggling and maybe depressed and anxious and we implode, then our, then we got nothing to give to our kids. And so I think it's important to, to train our kids and to be good parents from the fullness of who we are, the fullness of the Spirit. Yeah. And that means you have to take breaks as parents. Yeah. And you have to take kids. And by the way, I think that's part of being in a good community where you can babysit swap. And you can, yeah. you know, if you're in a life team in a small group and you can babysit swap or you have... If you have family in town, that's great. Like I know Mike and Lou, you guys, you know, you have you Cooper and Wick can drop their kids off at any time and you don't say no because grandma and grandpa want to see them. Uh, so that's important. So talk a little bit maybe as well about how, how can this mom just feel good about taking a break and, and investing in herself. Yeah. Yeah. Lou, were you going to jump in on that? Well, he, he gave me the microphone. Good, so good. So I you're up. Why. Yeah. <laughs> um, we didn't have that when we were young and if we could do it over we would have done it more Mm -hmm. so he's working at Safeway on weekends I'm cutting hair full-time two little babies and he's going to college and I remember getting burned out Mm -hmm. and missing Mike so you're right 
if we could if we could do that over, we would have done it differently. I think it's really sweet that these couples have date night. We had never heard that before until our boys got married, and we said, "Oh my gosh, date night! How nice!" You know, but <laughs> they they need that. They need that, and I think that a lot of the couples nowadays do that and spend time with one another. I don't know about feeling guilty about that. You know, wanting to have me time, wanting to do their own thing. We just were surviving. So maybe I, we're not the best to answer that. Well, I think I can identify with you and just having the two little ones and being a stay-at-home mom. I I felt like I never really got away with that and or got away from that unless, and I loved our boys. I mean, it was hard for me. To, we'd go to the Family Life Marriage Conference and I would just go through withdrawals from being, you know, without our boys. But it was so wonderful to have that investment in our marriage. And that was huge to us because you're right. It's the original Bits family. And we wanted to always make sure that our marriage was healthy and strong. And we had connection and good communication because that was what the kids needed to see in us. To have that trust in, oh, they're solid. We can, we can push against that. We can test that. And we know that they're going to have each other. They're going to, you know, and they'll today tell you how, the, how we modeled what they want. Mm -hmm. And so it speaks volumes and for future generations. And so that good self-care is yeah. critical yeah. because if you can't, you know, like you said, if you're sick and depressed, you're not going to be able to help anyone. You're not going to be able to be a good parent yeah. um, either. But your spouse is the priority and mm -hmm. God will take care of the rest. Yeah. It's all moderation. It's balance. It's investing in that love bank. Yeah. yeah. Then to kind of add good. on to this question you guys have been talking about, um, and dad, you kind of mentioned this, you and mom, you're the, you're the list maker. The weekend yeah. comes and you have the list of all the chores. <laughs> Let's say like the, the mom has been home all week is just tired doesn't want to look at a list this weekend, just needs some like time away from the boys or the kids, whatever it is. Um, is, is that, is that okay? Um, yeah. you know, is that, is it, is, is that okay for, for the mom to just be, you know what, I just need a break. I just need to leave. And you don't have to answer specifically dad. I'm just yeah. was referencing. No, I think it's um, important. And, yeah. and there were times when, and mom, because she was a hair uh, dresser, worked a lot of Saturdays. So a lot of times she was gone and I was with the boys and I had my list of things to do and I'd try to get them to help me and stuff. But there were times when mom was just like, I got to take a break. I got to go somewhere or whatever. Mm -hmm. And whether that was us leaving the house and she'd have the home to herself to relax or if it was spending time with her family or something, or sisters or, you know, yeah. going out on a getaway weekend or something. Um, I think yeah. we were pretty, well, <laughs> no, you can't have the mic. I remember one time going on a weekend getaway. <laughs> 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 it would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then yourself. that's a million years ago. We've been married 40 yeah. years. So yeah. we yeah. didn't do that back yeah. then. No. Yeah. I, think, I think it's cool that people are doing yeah. that more. Yeah. And, and I would say something that I think is really important in regards to this is to make it a regular rhythm yeah. of your life. Don't wait till you're exhausted and you're like, oh, I got to take a break. Make it a regular rhythm of your yeah, life. Right. Make it a weekly thing, a monthly thing, a yearly thing where you're, you're taking a rhythm 
of breaks that fill you up. And, yeah. and sometimes that needs to be a prayer retreat. Yeah. Sometimes it needs to be a women's retreat. Sometimes it needs to be a men's retreat. Sometimes it needs to be something like that. But sometimes it needs to be, you know, I came in the door, you know, whoever was at work came in the door and you just get to take a walk today. Mm-hmm. Hey, you got the kids. Yeah. I'm taking a walk. Great. Take a walk, yeah. you know, um, and, and you take a walk for a half an hour. And when you come home, you're back and you're ready to go and you're ready to jump in. And dad's made a mess in the kitchen and we jump in and we have fun as a family and we're baking cookies and we're trying to figure out how to, you know, not put chocolate chips that have been on the floor and the dog is licked into the cookies. You know, whatever. I mean, what's, well, yeah, who cares, right? They're, they're two. Yeah, they'll be cooked. They'll, it'll cook the saliva right out of there. But I think that's really important is to, to get into a daily rhythm of things. And I think that is a key. And I, I really have heard that from all of you, is that finding that good gospel rhythm in your parenting finding that way to make, helping your kids find their identity in Christ, finding their identity in who they are in Jesus, and just, just helping them point them and direct them. And, and you know, you're, you're almost like, you're almost like a potter. I mean, you're not slapping the clay around. You're just, you just barely touch it and it molds and shapes and, you know, into exactly what God wants them to be. And, um, and I think that's really important. Well, do either of you have like a, a last minute little nugget? Is there one little last minute nugget you want to share? I would just say <laughs> back in the early days, you know, there, I know there's some parents out there that like, I'm not going to change a poopy diaper. Mm-hmm. And it's like, <laughs> look, it, it's, it's not going to be the end of the world. And you're both in this together. And so everyone takes their, their turn. And, it doesn't last as long as you think it's going to last when it's done, you celebrate and they've matured out of the diaper stage and off you go. But some of the things that the younger parents go through with kids and having maybe two kids close together, it's hard and you got to do it together, but it's not going to kill you and you're going to survive. <laughs> yeah. You're going to survive. Yeah. 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 Debbie, did you have something? Yeah. I was just adding on to what you were saying about modeling the balance and rest. I mean, just like we take a rest and have a you know Sabbath, mm-hmm. we're modeling that for our kids. It's healthy. We want to have moderation. So, but as a parent, and so I, I guess too, I think of the single parent and such. That's why we need to have the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. If you don't have family in town, find a friend who will fill in to be able to give you that, so that you can be the best parent that you can be. Yeah. But I guess the, the parenting golden nugget is be present whatever stage of life they're in and be on your knees because yeah. God's got it. And we mm. just keep giving it to him. Nothing's more than what he knows. He knows everything that's already going to happen. Yeah. So we can yeah. trust. And I guess that's the thing is just continue to embrace his peace because us being frantic and anxious is not going to help our kids. It's not going to help us get through the yeah, situation. Yeah. So it's just truly trusting God. Yeah. Yes, I choose to trust you, God. They're yours. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do the very best I can. Equip me. Yeah, that's good. How about you, Lou? I, I really applaud these young people because, like you said on Sunday, this is a nutty world. It's not the same world. Yeah. that we raised our kids in. Mm-hmm. So we we could not 
be experts on what is going on with these little people right now. We can give advice and we can be there to counsel or to pray with them. But I think they're doing amazing. And there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of stress on this generation more than I think any generation has ever seen. Mm -hmm. And I look at all these single moms and these parents and single dads. It's, it's amazing. It's, they've, they've just done everything they know to do through this COVID crisis and the way that they came up with ideas to be with their kids and some of them lost their jobs and some of them lost their homes. I mean, it's amazing what these young people have been through. So I just want to say that I'm proud of them. Mm-hmm. And I hope that they know that the older people are watching and we're praying for them. Good. Yeah. Good. Hey, Dean, do you mind, uh, do you mind praying for us? Oh, sure. I'm praying for parents out there and just uh, giving, giving us a little word of, of prayer here as we, as we close out. Yeah, Father, I just um, would lift, lift up really all of the, the parents um, in our church and in the Cheney community, too. Um, Father, that they don't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. They just have to be present because their kids need them. And you're going to make mistakes, and it's going to be hard. Uh, but live life with your kids. And, Father, we thank you for giving them to us, um, for giving us an opportunity to use our lives for your glory, Father, to teach them about you and be examples of you to them, Father, that you're a, you're a loving Father, um, not a rule keeper. And you, you give us grace and mercy every single day. And just thank you for loving us. Um, thank you for our time tonight. Um, pray that it encouraged the people that were watching. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, Mike and Lou, Dean and Debbie, thank you so much for being a part of our parenting live stream, The Good, The Bad, and The Stinky. And I hope that this has been really helpful for a lot of you out there and that you <laughs> grabbed a lot and you'll learn a lot. And I, I really hope it'll help you as a parenting team. If you are if you have a, a, a spouse in this, I hope this will give you a lot of stuff to talk about and to how to do life as a team. And if you're a single parent, that you might have learned some things to help you in your battle. And I uh, want to remind you, we have lots of resources here at church. We've got a great resource table that's for parents. If you want to stop by during the week, over the next several weeks, we've got lots of resources on the table to give you lots of tools out there. And if you ever want to just call the pastoral staff, we'd love to point you in the right direction with some resources. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So to Kate and I, have a great evening. Bye.